0: Café Rollist is your caffeinated tabletop RPG break. It started as our exclusive Patreon show. But following a survey with our supporters, I am happy now to share its most recent episode here with you. If you enjoyed this show, please consider checking out our archive of a 100 or so additional episodes which are still exclusive on Patreon. Welcome to another Café Ruralist, another opportunity for me to directly interact with someone I've been chatting with a bit online, and I was hoping to meet at Dragon Meat last year, but it didn't happen. Uh, Eric, could you introduce yourself to our viewers?
1: Yes, I didn't make it to Dragon Meat last year. I'm afraid. I'm um, Eric Nudon... I never know if I should say you, Dan or Dan with a French accent, uh, now you get both. Uh, I've been a writer and designer of games for the last, what, 20 odd years. Worked in France um, for different publishers, and now I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Working on my own other things, uh, real-life uh, jobs, and also designing my own little games. Awesome. And I live in, in Ireland
0: awesome for people who are either following already the the Rollis podcast or uh, who are curious uh, in, in the episode I recorded in Dragon Meat there was a moment uh, during the recording when I confused you with somebody else actually I confused three people at once so I met oh. Ersidice who is a fellow briton from uh, Croydon I think and <laughs> uh, I confused him with you so I asked him oh so you're your french designer from Ireland and he was I'm not french no no i re- no from Ireland and it seems that i had confused you with elucubration Erçide, who is a blogger who i don't know quite well and then i confused that person with ersides but uh, yeah you can people can go check our dragon meat episode uh twenty nineteen part two if uh, if they're curious about this, rather an, an interesting idea <laughs> story. so uh, th- the big name I know you from is uh, Maketo Monsters, w- which I haven't played yet, so what can you tell you us should. about that?
1: So it was my attempt to do something in the old school uh, OSR uh, kind of uh, design space. Uh, I'd been falling. More and more, deeper and deeper into into OSR games. Um, first, I think through nostalgia because I have like like they're never very far uh, away from me. I have my old red boxes uh, from when I was a kid uh, when I started uh, playing games, and I've never stopped since then. Uh, and I think like everyone who went into OSR, you start because oh. Remember that time when we were afraid of going to dungeons and we were just dwarves and elves and it wasn't uh, complicated and it was just about survival? Uh, You start like this and then you find out that the gameplay is entirely different. And um, then if you're a bit on the design side and a lot of OSR people are, you start making a little... Uh, it rules, and then you bring stuff from your own sensibility, uh, the sensitivity of your own, the, the old rules you like. Uh, so in the end, uh, I end up with this. It's always, it's never very far. Uh, it's like 64 pages of, uh, no sorry, 54 pages pages of everything you need to make uh, your own campaign with um, very basic rules and a lot of uh, input from the players as well because that's what I like. Uh, I'm a a lazy... Dungeon Master, I like it when players decide to play an elf or a cleric. Tell me what the gods are like and where elves come from, so that I don't have to do it myself.
0: I love the design. I'm. Uh, I just got in touch with uh, an artist for uh, my first own game that I'm designing today. Oh. and uh, yeah, I love a coffee, uh, Maketo monster. I think as soon as you see it, the, the branding, the the visual, it, it sort of grabs you. Uh, uh, when I saw it, I, I I haven't played it yet again, but. Uh, it just wired in my mind I, I would remember it all my uh, my life that oh this game this coffee inspired
1: game it's entirely accidental uh, <laughs> to be honest like, the idea of the name came from sidelines thinking out of the box uh, because I was uh, hacking from the black hack which you may know which is a famous um, very simple third wave uh, old school uh, games rules engine and white hack which is an older one so i was putting a little bit of white in my black hack, so at the beginning was the I think I called it the latte hack first, and then zebra, and then we looked you know, like yellow you know, monsters, because I like alliterations.
0: Alliteration is awesome. So, just <laughs> before, we we started a tiny little bit late, because we were into a conversation before starting the recording, and uh, part of our conversation was um, trying to, not exactly categorize, but I guess it, it's uh, find the, the right tools to to communicate with one another of whether a tabletop playing game is oriented towards narration, tactical slash simulation, or uh, the ludist side, the, the gamey side. So where would you s- think you would sit with uh, Maketo
1: Monsters? Um, hmm. It's hard to say because as we were saying, it's very difficult to categorize uh, until we get to a system that has 27,000 uh, different categories and then you can put all 27,000 different games, each into its own one. Um, I think Macchiato Monsters is, is it's old school in the sense that um, it's going to be very uh, immersive and it's going to be very simple. As a, as a player, you don't think in ways of systems and you don't look at your character sheet to solve problems you look at the fiction uh and if you're looking at your character sheet it's to, it, it's to look at oh i have an extra bit of string that i could use to make a trap to maybe cat, catch the goblin who we will convince to uh, uh, let us talk to the goblin king so we can finally go kill all the orcs that we need to kill but we don't we can't really do it because we're just level 1 dudes with a half a sword between us uh so that's that's what really inspired me but then i had to uh it, it happened organically over three years plus of design i had to add uh random tables that will give me ideas and then little systems and little questions and answers um rules that will let players uh add what they want into the game random
0: Random tables are... There was a recent episode of a French... I think we got a a couple of French uh, speakers in the chat room. There was a recent episode of Voix d'Alta dedicated to uh, random tables. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was very good and very instructive. I especially enjoyed when they started talking about... I, I always find it interesting in debates. The debates tend to be... Is this good or bad? Is this replacing this or that? And they were talking about, oh, do you have the map of the whole city, and each house is described, and who you're gonna find it find in there? I guess something a bit like uh, I remember Night Prowler was slightly like that. Uh, the, some of the supplements, uh, or the opposite, you don't have a town, you have a system to generate the map of the town, and you you randomly roll absolutely everything. And what I thought was the most interesting is when you have a mix of the two you've got a different table for different neighborhoods and sort of the tables are like well this is a table for the fancy neighborhood so you are much more likely to run into a wealthy merchant and this is a table for at night so it's not, it's not sometimes random tables are described as, as absolutely completely random despite their like algorithms you you define settings of what they're, they're going to work like
1: yeah, they're not even if they are. Uh, even if you're mixing uh, wealthy merchants and uh, undead zombies, and uh, flying gnomes, uh, it will still generate an environment that will be unique. And yeah, it will be a very, very strange part of the city. But it's, just, it's the place where sometimes you're running to find gnomes and uh, they're running after zombies.
0: So. Uh- I jumped into because we had our conversation before I jumped into uh talking g- game design but normally I have a, a couple ice breaking questions uh, which I didn't ask you yet uh in this time of covid-19 what what is your routine like if it's not indiscreet
1: no, it's not. Um, I don't have one. <laughs> I'm afraid. That's a way I to try approach to it. Have, yeah, know. I, I try to have one, but I, I can't stick uh, to it. I try to get up early-ish, uh, so seven. Uh, ideally, I would break about six, but um, the thing that goes—that's that—is that a priority—is uh, sleep. I try to sleep eight hours because otherwise i don't function and i get uh, bad migraines like uh, this morning that's why i apologize if i'm a bit uh, blurry i'm full of meds (laughs) Uh, and um, what i try to do is work every morning uh take a walk or go onto my skateboard for an hour um often it's mid mid afternoon because i push things back And yeah, night is about reading or playing games.
0: Uh, Just a a tiny little thing. Uh, Some other people advised me to do that, but I I forgot. Could you go into your audio settings, you know, when you went to your mic, and untick automatically adjust volume on your microphone? I think it's going to work better. Um. Yes. what was I about to say? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, routine. It's a funny thing because, uh, here, uh, I've been, uh, it's my ninth, uh, it's a week number nine of self-containment because I, we started a bit earlier here. And for a while I was like, I need a routine. I need a routine. And now I've achieved a routine, but I'm at the stage when I'm getting bored of my routine. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's kind of getting depressing. You go into those stages and yeah, it's, uh, emotionally, it's, it's kind of, it, comes and goes uh, rather swiftly yeah
1: early uh, early in the um, in the lockdown I think we've only been seven weeks here maybe eight with the people who, uh, who uh, took ahead uh, decided to work from home uh, at one week ahead because they knew he was coming um, I read a very good article about uh, by, by an academic who um, had several per, uh, periods in her life where she was uh in war zones or uh, in difficult situations she still had to work um and she said uh, something that stuck with me from the beginning it's your brain is going to adapt and uh it's survival mode and you need to put a lot of systems back in place because your relationships are different um some people are, are, are uh, at risk in your immediate family or community. Uh, some people are able to provide support. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one who needs support. So you're going to need a, a few weeks to get this, and then creativity will come back. Uh, and it might not stay f- with you f- from then. It might go again three weeks later because things change, and you're basically grieving. Uh, so... Um, Yeah, I bookmarked that article and I I come back to it every time I feel like, fuck, I can't think of anything when I'm in front of my computer in the morning.
0: I guess it, it reminds us uh, I don't know what it's called but the sort of pyramid I guess it's called the pyramid of needs you know like the, the first mm-hmm. need you need it's a safety <laughs> a sense yeah. of safety then being fed sleep and, and then being fulfilling uh, I guess when you enter a crisis like that we go right to the top of the, the pyramid uh, to care about our safety and then uh, we go holding some toilet paper and food and and then some, so only after that we, we get into the, the crisis Creative mode, um, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's 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 quite an experience. And someone kicked the pyramid. Yes. someone came and kicked the pyramid, so we have to rebuild it.
0: Yeah, and the, the the thing is, I think because it's it's based on isolation, there's at the one point there's this notion of repetition. You know, uh, it's when you achieve the stability. I guess you can achieve a bit of. Um, Entertain yourself, and, you know, diversify your experience daily through creativity. But at some point, if you stay inside uh, and you uh, you have uh, just online conversation, which which is uh, already uh, very helpful, at least in my case, you yeah. you reach a point when you are ah, actually I need to change, I need to shake the routine somehow, I need to to change things because it's it's getting too repetitive, and uh, this is becoming a source of stress uh, in itself.
1: No. Yeah. And you have a young kid as well, uh, and for, for them, routine is like the most important thing.
0: Well, on one hand, I'm lucky because he's only two years old, so I, I don't think he processes. I think the world, uh, including our apartment, and we're lucky to have a, a playground, which is not, uh, hip- Frequented by a lot of people, so we, we can go there quite safely. Uh, at first it's not close, and then we've got a, a much larger park, which we can explore. Uh, but, uh, so I think his world is big enough for him, but it's more for us when, yeah, that's when you realize how much, uh, childcare, <laughs> professionals, nurseries, and so on, such a massive work they're doing, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the, the situation for us is, uh, yeah, we, we somewhat, f- almost fully dedicated to him and to, to my wife who's working from home. But if, if my wife takes some time off, uh, it falls on me. Or if I take some time off, it falls on her. So the, the, the leg room is extremely, extremely limited. And, uh, yeah, you were talking about relationship with people, uh, it was. Was quite a test of relationship to to find a new balance uh, in the way we we are doing things uh, at home uh, and so on. And uh, yeah, it was a bit rough uh, after week three or something like that. Yeah. Did you pick up any new skills or hobby while self-contained?
1: <laughs> no. Again, I had lots of plans, and I was thinking I would be super good at doing yoga every morning and uh, i haven't uh, even meditation which is something i've been doing for years i thought i would be able to stick to a a, even a 10 minute a day after my shower thing hasn't happened um what i'm finding is that um instead of consuming a a lot of um, science fiction tv shows and reading comics and um uh, I don't know, we are watching uh, uh, actual play videos. I'm finding that I want to dedicate that time to more culture. So I, I uh, looked for ebooks and uh, audio books and, uh, yeah, f- further away than my very focused nerdy uh, tastes. Uh, and that feels kind of good. Like, it feels like evading when you're listening to 16th century poetry or stuff like that
0: feels nice to open the field i yeah. i don't have the uh, m- uh emotional availability to to dig myself in some some good novels or i, I think the last uh, quotation mark uh what do you call that uh boutique cinema uh, movie I saw was uh, um, parasites uh, but uh, uh, something I really enjoy is watching um, some um, video essays on YouTube uh, like the one by the nerd writer uh, which who is very very good at doing not too long videos on a specific topic and it can be a a poem by Emily Dickinson or uh, Darth Vader for us more nerdy people like you find out that I think it's Darth Vader appears for 35 minutes in the whole original trilogy is, is actually barely there. So he goes through, yeah. uh, the numbers of it and then the visual aspects and how oh, they are different in Empire Strikes Back compared to A New Hope and then Return of the Jedi. And, but just, just even visually, not, not even in terms of narration or in terms of, um, the, of course, the, the iconic, uh, soundscapes of Darth Vader, just, oh, the, the figure works uh, visually. And it's, it's quite cool when you, you got stuff like that to then think of, oh, uh, could I include that in one description of a, a villain in a role-playing game or something like that?
1: Yeah. I didn't know. I, I wrote that down because uh, YouTube is a big problem to me. Like, I, can't, I can't seem to live without it, uh, but I can very rarely find something that I really want to see. And you keep you know pushing in my face stuff that uh, it thinks uh, I will find interesting, and I don't because you know at some point I was looking for one subject and uh, uh, now it's all the, it can it can send to me. Um, I, I will send you, you stuff deal.
0: more frequently on 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 uh, on Twitter. We can exchange because I've been starting yeah. a couple others now which uh, I quite enjoyed. And when I watch those things, I'm, I'm sort of always frustrated that. Uh, Sometimes my wife is interested and check them out, and then we talk about it. But I don't really have that many people I know with who I can discuss the content of the video. And it's something uh, I'm really keen to do because, you know, oh, oh, what did you think about that part? Uh, the fact that uh, I watched one recently about how Mad Max Fury Road, again, somewhat quite still quite geeky. Uh, oh no, another one I watched recently was about um, stories in which the character don't change. So the, the oh, exactly. stories stories with characters who technically don't have an arc. And they, they explain yeah. how the thing of those characters is that it's the world around them who, who changes due to, to what they do. So the examples, it took three examples, including a movie I, I really want to check out now. Uh, the first one was, it was uh, sort of reviewing in parallel uh Paddington two, so with the little bear, Back it to the Future okay. with Marty, and the last one is called The Trotsky. Uh, I never heard of that movie. It seems quite recent. The, in which you which got I a. Know, I think. It's a student who uh, is convinced that he's the uh, reincarnation of Leon Trotsky, and uh, okay. and yeah, he does stuff in his high school, and uh, the, the the few extracts he show uh, seems uh quite quite fascinating for uh, a crypto Marxist like me <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember um, it was a few years ago uh, it was Robin D Laws on the podcast he does with uh, we can hide uh, and they were talking about the Batman trilogy uh, the um, Christopher Nolan one and they were arguing that you don't need to give an arc to Batman because he's Batman <laughs> Uh, and like there's a lot of superheroes who have backstories and who grow and go to trouble. They think about Spider Man. Uh, but you also have these very monolithic characters that are there to do one thing and they shouldn't be changing from in, in the, the space of one hour and 45 minutes.
0: It's funny because uh, in the video, he, he concluded the video by just seeing, uh, s- s- sort of as a, something a bit. Out of the box, but he seemed very emotional saying it. He said, um, he said, uh, at the end of his video, he said, and uh, that's how you should do a Superman movie. And then he gets the (laughs) video,
1: like, uh,
0: apparently frustrated with uh, how Superman's been treated as a character um, in the last few uh, movies.
1: But um, you can, you could argue, I'm just thinking about that now, and I'm probably very wrong, and we're probably going to get a lot of comments. Uh, you
0: know what? It's good. I've been saying that in another video. I found out that actually steering the pot is the only thing which m- brings you visibility. So if there's something <laughs> okay. horrendous to say, go ahead, say it. And then maybe no, people I will pay notice to what we say.
1: I'm wondering, is that the reason why uh, the Marvel movies work so well? Uh, is that because the characters, most of the characters are established and uh, especially like in Avengers movies, you don't have time to spend on any of the 12 characters that you have there. Uh, and they're just there to do their bit. Um, and it feels more like a superhero story to me than the horrible stuff we've had for 50 years before, um, Iron Man.
0: You, d- you didn't like, uh, Batman 89, for instance, or personally, even Bat- Batman Returns, I quite enjoyed it. Um, 89 oh, yeah. is
1: uh, the, the, the Tim Burton, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even the X-Men. I, I really enjoyed the first two X-Men. I think now they yeah. got a bad rep because of all the, f- all the stuff which followed. But mm-hmm. I don't think there would be a Marvel cinematic universe without X-Men and X-Men 2.
1: No, I think X, X-Men worked like there is a, you can see the special effects even at the time were a bit uh, sad and lacking. But, um, the first, x-men i've seen it quite a few times and i really like the fact that they give you an in into the into the world of the x-men they don't try and start at the beginning with the stuff that they that, that they've done afterwards uh explain the school and etc they put rogue in there uh and uh she's our our point of view character and she gets into this world and since she's just this tiny young woman and she can't be uh obviously at the time she cannot be the protagonist uh then you put Wolverine and uh you have like your two uh your, your two characters uh that give you the in into the the X world if I can say that and then it goes into uh Magneto going to uh, change the world etc etc
0: so you but you were saying uh so you iron man for you it's uh well kind of obviously it's it's a game changer really for you uh
1: yeah yeah Uh again i'm not a specialist and that's not a movie that i've seen many many times but it's it's the first real at least as a as a former fan of marvin comics because i was reading them when i was younger uh it felt like we had finally had a, a proper superhero movie.
0: Well, what I find is nice with the MCU, and uh, I disliked with uh, most of the, the latest uh, DC Universe one, is that uh, there's sort of this take of making the world seem real, but on the same time they, yeah. that they're not they're not embarrassed about themselves, because sometimes I find the DC stuff the, the people working on it, they feel like, it sounds like they, they embarrass of the concept of Superman or they embarrass of the concept of Batman and they, they really feel very hard like turning, taking a step away, stand next to the viewer, look towards their own creation and say, ah, it's a bit ridiculous, right? And, 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 and they, they shy of, of doing the, yeah, of being a bit more faithful and colorful. I think that's something which, from which the X-Men suffered also, uh, past number two. Uh, they, they never owned, uh, literally the colors of the characters. You know, if, I think if, uh, Wolverine shows up in the Marvel cinematic universe in, a, in a few movies, I'm pretty sure it will be at least there will be good patches of yellow in his costume, and not, not just at the end of the movie, and then we forget about it, like in the Wolverine. It's uh, it will be bright because the characters are bright. Captain America is blue, white, and red, and Iron Man is yet
1: bright yellow and red. Yeah, I think it's a it's a different time, probably, and the, yeah, they were they were probably afraid uh, of. Putting people in, in spandex and having them stupid—I um, don't know what these all these costumes that we see in the Avengers movie look like when you're in front of it. <laughs> Probably not, they not had that the good. To, to make them look good and cool, so um, it's quite su- uh,
0: interesting also to see uh, the learning curve they got there, and it, it was quite cool in the in a hand game. To see them go back to the first Avenger movie and, and yeah. in that case be a bit like, uh, Captain America is like, is my favorite superhero. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, contradiction in, in me picking that one, uh, to be honest, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, the evolution of the costume of Captain America is is very interesting. Oh, it became more and more subtle uh, as they went. Uh, and uh, yeah, the least favorite is definitely the one from the first Avenger movie. Yeah. Have you have you ever tried? Because I find it's a weird animal to run a superhero story with role playing games because we tend to to balance out character balance level of powers and so on and uh, I find it interesting that actually in a superior movie you need to to large extent overlook that because it doesn't make much sense a square girl can defeat doom and and uh, yeah the character are as strong as the narration requires them to do so if you you start a uh, to, create your character with a point system and, uh, oh, if you are that strong, that means you are that stupid and so on. Uh, I, I don't find it works, uh, that well in role-playing game. That, that's why, long story short, my favorite system is Masks, a new generation. I think that's, that's the only superhero game which really cracked that, that nut, uh, at least the one, uh, the one I played. I don't know if you tried it and if you, if
1: you, if there are that's... games. I've played Masks uh, maybe three sessions. We tried a mini campaign that, uh, in the end, it was working for me. But uh, it was online, so I don't know exactly um, who was dissatisfied with it. But uh, the game's master, the MC, uh, in the end, said that uh, it wasn't working and uh, it was going to, to start something else, uh, which I didn't uh, play. I can't remember what that was. It was like a a pickup group around the google plus at the time remember that last time when uh, uh, everyone was talking with everyone about games so we we ended up playing with all designers of around the world and they testing their games and
0: uh, you mean one time for uh, me for me that time is now i'm playing more games than (laughs) i ever did and i'm playing with people i never played with so
1: (laughs) i cannot complain at the moment for me, it was We Will Uh I still play a lot, uh, especially now, <laughs> in the last couple of months. But uh, I'm still within the same uh, the same groups that I that I actually play with uh, in the mid space.
0: So you actually that reminds me uh, when I first well not not first but I remember interviewing. Uh, what's his family name? I don't know, but Paolo from Los Pages, uh, on the, yeah. uh, in a dragon meet a couple of years ago. And I, I believe we, we talked about you briefly. And he mentioned, uh, th- wasn't, didn't you meet? And uh, part of the reason Macchiato Monster came out at Los Pages isn't related to a big, uh, meat space, uh, being, uh, in between slices and called uh, Lasagna Con.
1: Yes. Uh, he's been doing that every summer for like six years now. It's basically inviting people to, uh, his flat in Glasgow. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and play games for a weekend and cook a lot of lasagna beforehand so that we fed everyone, feed everyone, uh, for three days. By the, by the Sunday night, no one wants lasagna anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to go to the chipper and get some uh, some uh, deep fried haggis. Uh, I,
0: I think you could uh, make a bucket list of uh, food team convention because I, f- I believe there's burrito con as well. I think there's at least a third one name uh, as a, as a, a condiment or, or something. Yeah?
1: I went to one in France once that was hot dog themed, uh, and they had uh, a menu of increasingly big. Uh, and heavy and uh, gross. <laughs> to be honest, uh, hot dogs. And the last one, I guess, uh, I, I think you, you got a prize if you finish it. It was like a, a whole, oh, <laughs> a, whole, a whole baguette with uh, twenty sausages in it, and uh, yeah, it was terrible. It's
0: never very healthy, or at least doesn't sound like.
1: Yeah. It. Well, it was it was uh, a yeah, French gamers in the nineties <laughs> or two thousands. Probably
0: in 2000. So, what are you working on uh, at the moment? Are you developing a new game? Also, oh, so, so uh, that you're you actually part of a, a business called Desks and Dragons? Do you want to uh, do you want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah, um, Deaths and Dragons is actually my retirement plan because, uh, you know, uh, working for publishers after a while, uh, it gets a bit difficult. And you, you are, you would like to be able to plan holidays more than six months in advance. Uh, it's difficult when you're living off advances. So, um, what I, uh, realized is that, uh, Playing RPGs and even very basic old school Dungeons and Dragons can be a, a great breathing space. Um, you know, after after a week uh, on the Friday night, you spend four hours in a fantasy world, and uh, you're feeling much better on the on the Saturday morning, even on the uh, on the spot. But if you would play, and that's what I've been doing in a co working space where I've been for the last. Uh, a uh, couple of years, maybe. If you were to play um, a very simple explore the dungeon, um, avoid the dragon, steal the treasure, treasure uh, D&D type game at lunchtime, Uh, you will see that everyone is going to end up, uh, whatever the the problems and the challenges and the stress they're, they're getting during their, during their morning, they'll start their afternoon, like with a lot of energy and they will also interact with each other. So, um, my thinking is that was that you can go into big uh, tech companies and tell the employers of a lot of nerds who wouldn't go easily towards other people that they don't know in their company uh, and tell them listen i'll take the nerds give me an hour i'll bring them back to you they'll be more productive and they'll be happier and they'll have rob the dragon in the meantime so yeah that's what i've been doing here in dublin and uh, at the moment I'm not because there's no offices uh, working, but I'm, um, I'm working on a, on a, on an online version, which is just as easy to organize. Um,
0: yeah. There, there might be, de- I, I can imagine this demand for that because it turns out my wife, uh, she works in a music publishing company and it's been a couple of years. They already had a Slack room where they discussed about board games. And so a few people there were aware of Dungeons and Dragons. Either they were playing separately or people it was mentioned. And, and with COVID-19, because of the situation, they actually started their game. So now they, uh, every Wednesday, uh, there's a group from, from that, uh, business who's playing Dungeons and Dragons together as a, a way to, to socialize, uh, away from the, the water cooler and the coffee machine. So yeah. I, c- I can imagine in those times when people are working from home and a bit far away, it's, it's a much welcome kind of team building, you know, social event. I, I was never, I'm never happy with. That's one of the few things I'm not, uh, Keen on adopting in the u k so the social of workplace is often at the pub after the office, yeah, and I always lament not to have lunches like uh when I was working in france or or Belgium because when it's it's dinner time it's after after work, I wanna go home all this terrible thing uh, first and second, I need it at home, and third uh I'm not a big drinker, and yeah, a pub is a terrible place to have a conversation. I find personally, yeah. so yeah. Long story short, no, right. I think you could find a, a lot of people interested in your offer.
1: Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of uh, of uh, nerd or or people who work in tech who don't like drinking. Um, so and that's uh, that's the thing that's happening in the in the UK. That's also happening a lot in in Ireland. Is that as soon as you think about some kind of social activity, activity is going to be uh, around drink. Maybe it's going to be in a cocktail bar for a change, but, uh, it's still a, a lot of people are not interested in that. Uh,
0: I, d- I don't want to, to sort of support stereotype, but uh, I did, uh, go for uh language exchange in ireland and and uh, when I was a teenager and what I found out when I was there is, was that it's quite fascinating compared to the the drinking culture in in Belgium where people do drink a lot uh, I found it fascinating in Ireland it seemed to be people were either drinking quite a lot or they were they were they were not drinking at all uh it's it was very uh there was this very strong um dichotomy between people rather than most of the people being laid back about drinking. Not, not really. In Belgium, people don't really binge drink as much as they do in the UK or, or Ireland, as far as I know. But at the same time, very few people are dry. And in Ireland, it would be always the one or or the other.
1: Yeah. And, um, there's, um, there's a little bit of a stigma as well if you're not drinking. Like, uh, if you're a woman, you're probably pregnant and you don't want to say. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been evolving in the right direction, uh, to be honest.
0: You, you mentioned to me I that think. you, you were supposed to run something this morning,
1: uh, and sadly you had to cancel. What are you running at the moment? Um, so it, it's part of my experience, to, uh, or my experiments, sorry, to uh, try and do a lunchtime game with uh, with people online. Uh, I could have picked uh, one of the, of the adventures I ha- have here, uh, take uh, one of the numerous uh, easy systems I have here, or Machial monsters, but no. I decided to make a new uh, rule system and uh, to develop a, a world. I had an, a, a, the idea of I have the map of uh, on my wall just here uh, for years, and I never found the time or motivation to to do this. So now I'm doing both. Wow. Uh <laughs> it's, a, it's the rules are one page and they're done, so that that won't take three years this time. Uh, but the world is uh, evolving and it's called Goblinberg oh cool it's it's a city of goblins it's a city of all goblins and uh it's in uh it's also called the antispire because it's a gigantic stalagmite uh (laughs) hanging from the cave uh, the 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 ceiling of the cave somewhere very deep under the earth, under our earth, uh, in the seventeenth or eighteenth century, I haven't decided. So
0: it's not, uh, it's not. You don't have a thing against uh, Chris Taylor and Grant Grantowit. The entire anti-spire <laughs> is not uh, a rejection of their own game spire. No.
1: No, and I, I, I uh, what was the grand scheme uh, about goblins that I have that I can't remember the name of today.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, but was uh, it cool? Uh, where,
1: where you play, you, you play six, six, goblins and, uh, every time you, you miss a roll, one of them dies. <laughs> uh, and there's probably more than six goblins because, uh, otherwise you wouldn't play the whole game. Right,
0: kind of a, a tunnel, uh, uh, a funnel, goblin quest.
1: Goblin quest, yeah. A, a game of, maybe, f- f- oh. competence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I n- never got to, uh, to run or play that game, but I really like the concept uh but no it's an anti-spire because it's a it's a stalagmite and uh i think anti-spire looks, uh, sounds better um uh, and everyone is a goblin there uh even dwarves they're called bearded goblins and uh surface goblins are probably humans and uh et cetera et cetera <laughs> so uh, the, the idea is that you can come and play with any character that's dungeon dragon based or from a dungeon Dragon centric game uh, and uh, the system will accommodate you and you will go on a quest to uh, find uh, a flying wig or uh, something equally stupid <laughs> uh, or maybe uh, change the government because uh, the, the sultan is uh, actually a bastard and uh, some people want to want, want, their in, want his head <laughs> So, Sorry. does,
0: does this other system focus on something different than, uh, Macchiato Monsters? Uh, w- w- what, what was the motivation for starting afresh?
1: Um, simplicity, really, because, uh. Um, Even simpler yeah. than Macchiato Monsters, then. Yeah. Uh, it's one page rules. Uh, you don't need stats. You roll 2d6. Uh, it's mostly, um, Games Master decides uh according to what you tell the games master about your character if you're going to be uh good or bad at uh, the task you're attempting so uh, they give you uh, a roll to uh, to do on 2d6 and um, yeah that's all uh hit points damage uh magic will work but you have to roll in case you roll a really bad roll and then magic uh, turns against you and it uh, it makes for a nice twist in the story and uh, yeah something really, really simple because I wanted anyone to play, and I have a friend who plays with her two, two of her kids a six year old and ten year old and the three of them on one uh, on one uh, uh, screen and then I have uh, other players and they manage to play as well Well it's just you just have to uh to make sure they don't chat too much and uh the boy isn't uh miming the attacks he does in the background uh but it works like it yeah it's all age all levels of nerdism uh um, and the challenge is more like putting an episode in an hour basically
0: yeah it's a very tight uh, format. that's, that's I mean...
1: what is still um that's the, the, the work i still have to do it doesn't work all the time
0: I'm asking to the chat room if they have any question. Guillaume asked us if we can speak French. So I already answered to him that we can, but we won't. <laughs> uh, what was I about to say? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. I was developing my own my own game. Uh, it's uh, yeah. What's your game about? So uh, it's. Um, so it was inspired by uh, a very quick read, not a thorough read. My, my wife was reading a book called uh, Marie Kondo, the, the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying. Since mm-hmm. then, Mary Kondo's got a show, I believe, on Netflix or somewhere else. So she, she's a slightly yeah. more famous. She's this, uh, uh, well-being advisor, uh, from Japan. Uh, she, she seems incredibly la- nice. And, uh, I think she, she's got a point, uh, about what she says about hoarding. But when I read her book and discussed it with a friend, uh, I thought it was, uh, there was an immense potential for parody into that, because if you, if you took some, o- some of her statements, again, which makes sense, but slightly s- switch the context of them, especially if you put it in a fantasy setting, uh, they, uh, I thought they were really hilarious. So from that, I, I created a, another character, uh, uh multi-planner, a well-being advisor living in a monastery called Paris Gondo, uh, who yeah. they left behind them uh, even their gender because, uh, as Marie Gondo herself uh, advised, uh, it, you should look at things and if they don't make you happy, you should throw them away. So that 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 individual look at their gender to didn't make them happy, so they threw it away. Uh, they, I yeah. think they, they probably did so with their, even their flesh and their, their body, so they're probably not just a, a spiritual being now. But the, the whole point uh, of the game was, uh, sort of a take on the, you know, the, the tropes and the failings of Inventories in role-playing games, especially medieval fantasy, uh, role-playing games. Are, oh, how much can I carry? I've got that much slots or it's too heavy. It's that much, uh, pounds of material. I'm not supposed to carry that. So, so on one end, it's, it's, it's quite simple. It's not too complicated. It's heavily narrative. It's mostly, the game is mostly prompt for people to, to goof and role-play. But this part of the game, which is almost intentionally a bit tedious <laughs> because you're gonna have those the, the whole point of the game is that you've got a starting inventory of objects which are cards and they got stats mm-hmm. uh, describing of course not only how useful they are and how heavy they are in your load but also how, how, how far is your potential emotional attachment to them because, again, if you see something doesn't make you happy, you should throw it away. And, uh, Marie Kondo se- uh, se- says herself, uh, for instance, at home, you should have a stone, which reminds you of your mother. So, <laughs> so the, the idea, for instance, of the stone in the game would be, and th- there's a character who's got that, he's got, uh, the wizard's got a unreadable tablet, which is very heavy to carry around, which is completely useless, but uh, to which he's got a, a big uh, emotional attachment and the, the whole point of the game is you're gonna create new items rolling their stats making up what they are with a crazy explanation, uh, we had uh, what did we have yesterday, we had a magical harmonica, we had a clerical tr- Tiara. Uh, we had bracers coming from uh, a famous grandmother who was called the Breakers of Chains uh, because she. People are not sure if the. And that's that's sort of the the explanation we came up in in play yesterday. So the those strength bracers came from this grandmother who was very famous as the Breakers of Chains. But people are not sure if she was called that because she freed people like slave or if she just broke chains. And we even.
1: In the, a sir, in a circus, yeah,
0: and and like the player went yeah. even further, saying, "Yeah, actually, uh, cyclists didn't like her. She's famous because cyclists didn't like her because she would break the chains of their cycles. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's you trade your your items, and then you wor- you you're gonna have a few rolls, and you're gonna find out." based on what you kept whether you, you're going to survive the going back from the dungeon as a group whether, the game starts at the end of the dungeon you just defeated the, the big boss and you find his treasure trove and that's where you, you, you roll the loot but you need to go home so will the group go home? As a group, then will individuals perish on their own because they hoarded too much stuff and they got caught in a trap or something? Again, the players came up, come up with the, the the explanation. And finally, the most important thing: once you've managed to get out of the dungeon as a group and as an individual, you end up in a place. And are you gonna live a Fulfilling and inspiring life. Or are you going to be sad because, yeah, you survived, but you left behind the stone tablet to which you were emotionally attached and, and you, you you all your life, you will have regrets, uh, about that. So, and, and the players just make up the story based on the, the prompts created by, by the objects and the stats and so on. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm pro- it's, a, it's a really good cool idea. Um, I need you to yeah, to join the game once. Uh...
1: Oh yeah, I'd happily play and give you some feedback. But um, yeah, we don't. Uh, there's there's always been a relationship, as you said, with uh, inventories and, and uh, items. You know, you have uh, especially. I remember in my um, in my old uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons days. Yeah, I'm that old. Um, I have drawings of my character that I played for years. Every time he got a new piece of e- equipment, I did a new drawing. And, uh, it couldn't be a, a TV show character or, or even a comic book character because he changes appearance too often because, oh, uh, you know the guy that looked really cool in the red uh, la- lacquered uh, armor uh for years and years, uh, but then uh, he found the green one, and the green one is plus three, while the old one was plus two. Why? Why am I going to uh, to keep that uh, armor that defined me as a uh, visually as a character? This one is plus three. My uh, armor class goes up. I'm not going to change that. And, uh, you had all these characters that you had to re-describe every, every two or four sessions because, I ah, don't know, I have a pointy hat, uh, and it's much better at uh, making, casting spells, etc., etc. Um, it, it was an interesting time in, uh, in Dungeons and Dragons that has probably changed, but we all had these lists and lists of, uh, of items, uh, that defined our characters in, for me it was like a, a visual thing because i'm a visual thinker but for a lot of player it was just numbers you know uh, but what, I'm add, uh, what, what i'm trying to
0: what i'm trying to do with the game time. and uh, what i find interesting with um uh, you know uh contemporary smaller games is how they the focus on, uh, on an aspect of the even if even if we just consider dungeon crawling, uh, a couple of days ago we had Grant Owitt on Cafaris and we were discussing how, uh, for instance, Dungeon World is a simulator of Dungeons and Dragons, which try to reproduce a specific side of the experience of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so yeah, I think it's nice when you focus on a section of the the experience and you try to to max it out. And um, since since I started. On, on Paris Gondo, uh, I, I found out about another game, which is called You Meet in a Tavern. Uh, I think it, it might be a French game. Maybe it's... A, je, it might be called uh, Vous Rencontrez dans une Taverne. But the the concept is that you just play the meeting in the tavern but you're going to develop the whole yeah. story starting from there but you, you you don't leave the tavern you just make up okay we meet and you've got the shady character in the corner and people engage with one another and it's a lot of improvisation improvisation stuff but you're not going to do the dungeon actually You're just going to work out a lot of rumors and and the, the parameters of the mission without actually doing the the mission i think it might be resolved with a few rules, but uh, yeah you just focus on that bit of the the experience
1: yeah and that's something we have the luxury to to, uh, to do we were talking before when we we were offline and speaking in french because we can but we want do sorry Guillaume <laughs> <You won't. laughs> Guillaume, oh by the um, way I just
0: realized Guillaume uh, it's Guillaume who, uh who is the designer of an excellent game I own but I haven't played yet I believe that's him, uh, called uh, Sonya and Conan versus the
1: ninjas uh, yes. I know that game, uh, and and I know Guillaume because this you might see is the that's the the cover of Machiato Monsters Zero. Mm. Uh, so the the book we released before the game was finished, and that's Guillaume who made that. Uh, he uh, he has uh, quite a few uh, illustrations in the uh, in the new uh, book now.
0: I, I really um, need to try Sonya and the ninjas. But uh, sorry, you were saying?
1: Yeah. No, I, I want to play that as well. Um, I was saying that back in the day we were thinking that games are um, are big, and uh, all games have to be played in a campaign, and, uh, and you can't find you can can't experience a, a game properly before you've played like ten, twenty games., uh, but also, only one game, one session out of uh, maybe five or six is going to be a really good one because you have to interact with all these things and the game will sing only once in a while. And also, you play for so long, you play six hours. You were not uh, that kind before we started recording.
0: You said one session out of ten, which I think is
1: more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, But what we we said after that is that now we have uh, the... I don't know if it's, if it's the wisdom or if it's the, the height to, uh, to look at what's been done for the last 45 years, but, uh, we're able to focus on, on experiences, experiences that we really like and really want to reproduce and then we make them into smaller games. But I don't think any of, uh, your viewers are learning anything by what I'm saying here because <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, uh, it's really
0: obvious stuff but um, I mean there, there are a lot of resources now in a lot of shapes yeah. which we, we can use they're available for people who are keen on on improving and, and and it's got the the mindset to to sort of yeah you know reflect and question the way they're doing things and are they are they the right ones uh, I guess it's yeah it's, it's I guess I don't know art might be like this like Uh, in stages, in times in art history people would learn art by to some extent take paint and paint and they they paint for 10 years and then they they end up being uh, rather decent if not Good painter, but then, at one point of history uh, and different times of history in places, you start having uh, uh yeah sort of schools of arts academics, and they teach you techniques and you you push your art further, so in the process, maybe you're losing something because if you look at art history then. People, people, uh, yeah. Uh, techniques doesn't mean quality necessarily, and things can uh, become samey. Also, when you look at the the Beaux-Arts in art history and art so on at some point there's a question: Okay, all this technique is great, but uh, where's where's the passion? Where's the the talent? The uh, the individuality in, in all of that. Yeah. But but still, having those resources is is what the thing. I mean, you need Beaux-Arts I think uh, it's a it's a big. Argument. Uh, welcome to the intellectual time. But you you need a Bazaar to have a Picasso, and Picasso is not a guy who who just did his thing. <laughs> it was random. Or Jackson Pollocks. Those people were Ooh. were lectured and trained, and they came to what they did not because they started dripping paint randomly at a at a frame, but because they they were yeah genius. But they, they came. They still they still train and and studied a lot of stuff
1: before doing that yeah um yeah nowadays like back in the day we had uh, magazines that was the only way we could uh, communicate uh, between it reminds me the first time I designers.
0: the the first time and it was kind of mind-blowing the first time I saw a piece of advice for game masters was uh, a or uh, serie what do you call that in English uh Special edition of Spe- Casus, Casus yeah. Belli, uh, the, the French magazine, and I still have it. It's, uh, the, the pages are flying away, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, I don't know if it was the galactic guide to, to tabletop role playing, but it was full of good advice, and I think there was stuff from Gygax and even Monty Cook. It was like a compendium of, put in order or step by step of what you should do in role playing games. And but when I read that first I was like, oh wow, I never thought about this and this and that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, role playing games are something you can you can you can play. You don't even have to know what a role playing game is and you can play for the rest of your life. Uh, and then you can learn from other people and now you can watch people play for hours and hours and try and do the same thing as they do or decide that you don't like this bit and uh, you can try something else and it's super easy to get in touch with someone else and you can play from your own home with people you admire. So golden age, right?
0: It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, I'm probably going to have a, a panel about that uh, someday, maybe, maybe sooner than later, but, uh, Either in the case of actual play, especially professional ones like Critical Role or uh, someone like yourself who offer a service, uh, it's quite fascinating the idea that from the moment you offer a service or you're a professional entertainer, uh, there's a uh the standards and performance levels which are expected you know if like if you're offering your your service of running games for a business uh it's not to some extent it's not acceptable that one out of 10 of your the session you run is <laughs> actually interesting because people are playing and they might not be around but out one out of 10 uh you know they, they might not be around for this one the it's quite interesting how it yeah it it puts the the pressure on you to to deliver and that's when you you need to to start to think somewhat hard to what you about what you're doing i guess
1: yeah um but also it's not the 90s anymore and we have the tools to make games that uh work uh, in a better way you can adapt them to the people you play with and um you can make sure that you deliver something that's going to work More like 99 out of 100 times. Uh, I don't get feedback at every session, but, uh, and I probably don't get the 99% efficiency, but, uh, I'm I'm closer to them, to that, that, uh, than, uh, to the one out of 10 that we were talking about in the 90s. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 different. Like in a lot of things shift as soon as we're charging money, um, and it's it's still a hot issue with a lot of people. Um, but you know, running making games and running games is a lot of work. And uh, it
0: is, yeah. It's
1: definitely. like it's it's like food. You know, you can spend uh, your day uh, making a meal for your friends and be happy uh, to have them, but. Uh, you don't expect the restaurant to, uh, you for free.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's not because the restaurant exists that people are st- stopped cooking for their friends. But, uh, yeah, if you're cool. in a restaurant, consistency is expected from, uh, from you. To, to some level yeah. uh, I would love to continue ch- discussing but sadly or uh, my, I need to wake up my son from his nap otherwise he won't go to bed at a decent time tonight, uh, do you have one final thing you wish to say or plug and where can people find you
1: um, you can find me on Twitter uh, people will find the, the notices but I'm at surcapitaine which is S-U-R and then captain in French um, we'll put it in the show it.
0: notes. of it's cool. got the same problem with uh, my Twitter. It's too complicated to spell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I went back to my French. I had a, an, an English when uh, I worked in English <laughs> a long time ago, but uh, I had to. I had to only have the one account, and uh, yeah. All my stuff goes there. I have a YouTube channel where we talked about Goblinburg, uh, recently with Didier, who's the, Didier Valisevic, who's the, uh, the illustrator. Cool. Uh, cause I'm lucky enough to have really good, uh, friends who are also really good illustrators. Uh, so there's going to be, a, uh, that's going to be a book or zine. Um, uh, most probably actually. So Goblinburg will not just be a service. It will also be something that people can play, gamers can play. Um, and yeah. That's all. Thanks a lot. It was great talking to you. Yeah, um, yeah, it was amazing. Hopefully if there is a dragon meet this year and, uh, yeah, uh, if people are,
0: are just listening to the audio version, we are crossing our fingers very, very hard to, to all meet and, uh, exchange a lot of hugs, uh, maybe all. Terminal hugs at uh, dragon me twenty twenty uh, this yeah. year
1: <laughs> it would be great. I really love that place uh, and it was it was uh, heartbreaking not to be able to make it last year so oh yeah oh yeah I'll book my, my flight as soon as I can okay.
0: yep okay well, thank you very much uh for joining Eric It was a, a complete pleasure thanks uh, everyone thanks Guillaume and uh, what's his name the other person. Oh, we got more people now. Commando, The Root, Lurks, and Billy Kears who joined us in the chat room. Uh, thank you people thank for you. listening, watching this. So if you like that, please consider checking uh, our main show, the Royals Podcast or the Rollis Present. Uh, I think they're quite good. Uh, tooting my own horn. And if you like what we do, consider joining our newsletter to be kept updated about everything we do, including the game I'm developing. And consider I'm doing this out of passion for the hobby but I do have expense and I could do do more if I had more financial support especially in those times please consider visiting our Patreon where you will find 90, 80 or so uh, additional episodes of Café Rollis before all the episodes I recorded before I did that online that's it so thanks again Eric and uh, goodbye everyone thank you thanks thanks a lot
1: have a good day cheers bye
0: <music> our logo is designed by Roland Cairns our theme song is Playtime by Jazar, which you can download on the Free Music Archive. A video version of this episode is available on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to our channel there. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like more Café Relist, you can also get access to our archive of 100 or so additional episodes via Patreon. If you want to be informed of everything released by DeroList, we have a monthly newsletter for you to join. And if you want to contribute via the chat room to one of our recordings, subscribe to our Twitch channel and social media accounts to be informed of when streams are happening. Finally, links to everything I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening to us and remember, you are the realist.